First, last, best, most, and only. These are the five most powerful words we can use as marketers. Stick around, and I'll explain exactly what I mean. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly marketing podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. Each week we discuss the tools, tactics, and strategies that will establish you as a leader in your market. That means doing more covers and driving more revenue. Each week we choose a topic, we pick it apart, we come up with some key insights, and then we always finish up with an assignment. I leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas we talk about here on the show, because as I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, parts of the country are just starting to emerge from the lockdown, but uh, for those of us here in New York City, we are heading into our eighth straight week of the coronavirus shutdown. Um, It's a strange time. It's a scary time, and certainly uh, all of us in the restaurant industry have been hit hard. I hope all of you are staying healthy and able to enjoy some of this time with your family. Uh, As odd as it's been, I've got to say the extra time with my wife and my son has been uh, pretty special. Uh, We luckily all have our health, and this podcast is definitely giving me something to look forward to each and every week. So, last week on episode number 60, we talked all about positioning, an important concept that I think everyone needs to understand, right? So, this goes for anyone who owns their business or, uh, or runs a business or helps manage a business. It will help you develop a plan for cultivating business. If you remember back, I said that humans are uh, overwhelmed with ads and images every minute of every day. And because of that, we're, we're pretty bad at retaining new information. So marketers now acknowledge that and use something called positioning to make an impression on prospective customers. Positioning basically says this. When introducing a new idea to a consumer, you need to put that new idea right next to an idea they already know. So You're marketing your product, you're selling your product. Well, positioning that product provides a sort of shorthand for the consumer. It gives them a point of reference, a way to remember your product, to talk about your product, and to consider your product when it comes time for them to make the purchase. Now, positioning assumes that you're not first to market, which works for restaurants because none of us invented restaurants. They've been around for hundreds of years, and undoubtedly there are hundreds or thousands of other restaurants in your market. Now, that market may be a neighborhood or town or city or region. It doesn't matter how you define your market. Odds are you've got competition. Now, since none of us invented the restaurant industry right off the bat without any sort of marketing efforts, we're just another restaurant right? Just another pizza place, just another sushi restaurant, just another taco truck, just another sports bar, just another in a long line of restaurants. And if you've learned anything from me over the past year or so, I hope it's this. No one should ever strive to be just another anything. You need to stand out to serve an audience by solving a problem in an interesting new way. That's what positioning is all about. And nine times out of 10, 
figuring it out is the thing that will unlock your business. Positioning is something I've wanted to talk about for a long time, and I hope you got something out of last week's episode. I hope you see why it's important, and I hope you're starting to see ways that you can use it in your own business. My secret hope for this pandemic is that you all spend time rethinking your businesses and come roaring out of the gate, because let me tell you, most restaurant owners out there are just sitting by waiting for things to return to normal. But there will be a new normal, and there are two ways we can look at the situation. Either we wait to see what that new normal is, or we rush to the front of the line and help define what that new normal is. I think you can guess which one I'm going to recommend. So then, now that we know what positioning is, let's talk about the five words I mentioned at the top of the show. First, last, best, most, only. What do they have in common? They're words used to position a brand at the edges. It's about going to the extremes, and the key to its success is that only one brand can claim a given word. It is about exclusivity, right? So there can be only one Harvard, only one Corvette, only one Alinea. It immediately sets a company apart within their particular category. Think of how marketers use these words, either explicitly or implicitly in their communications iPhone was the first device of its kind, ushering in a new era for devices that we now come to refer to as smartphones. 2018 was the last time you could see Elton John play live as he traveled the world on his farewell tour. Southwest Airlines is consistently rated best in customer service. Facebook has the most users of any social network. HBO is the only place where you could see Game of Thrones. So these are the five most common, but of course there are others, right? Subaru is consistently rated the safest car on the road. The Freedom Tower is the tallest building in New York City. The Shanghai Maglev is the fastest commercial train in the world. Phantom of the Opera is the longest running show on Broadway. Mount Everest is the highest point in the world. Extremes are valuable because they send a clear signal to a potential customer and it gives them something tangible to grab hold of. For years, Volkswagen was the smallest car on the market. In fact, back in the 60s, they launched an ad campaign that simply read, Think Small. This came at a time, of course, when most American cars were big. They went to the other extreme and were very successful offering something totally different. You'll often hear Democratic candidates playing to their base, talking about how they have the worst possible rating from the NRA, meaning gun control is something they're passionate about. It's a shorthand for communicating to their voters. If Phantom of the Opera is the longest-running show on Broadway, then it must be good to have lasted that long. So for tourists to spend $500 or $600 for a family of four to see a show, the last thing they want is to pick a show that's just meh. They want to hit a proven winner if they're going to shell out that kind of money. So as we talked about last week, there is a clear advantage for those brands that are first to market, right? So Hershey's was the first chocolate bar. Coke was the first cola drink. Hertz was the first rental car company. Apple had the first true smartphone and on and on and on. There is significant data that shows the benefit for being first. But for the rest of us who need to carve out market share... We need to make a stand, and that's what positioning is all about. But remember, even if you are first to market, you'll eventually have an advantage. 
but you still need to position yourself in the beginning, right? So even Apple had to do this with the iPhone. Remember back in 2007, there wasn't really a smartphone market. They were inventing it. So their goal was to develop a computer that could fit in a consumer's pocket. The issue was that people already carried around a wallet and keys and a cell phone, so there really wasn't any room left for for anything else. So Apple smartly decided to make their pocket computer a phone as well, thus naming it iPhone. So they had to position themselves against other phones because they were trying to take over the cell phone market. So their original 2007 ad did this brilliantly by using dozens of clips of actors in famous movies answering the phone with hello. It then ends with a close-up look at the device that would change the world and a line of text flashed across the screen that simply read, hello. Now I'm including a link in the show notes so that you can watch that original commercial and notice again, they're not trying to convince consumers of anything. They're not putting their device up against competitors like Nokia or Motorola or Blackberry. Instead, they're simply showing the evolution of phones as viewed through the Hollywood lens. They are presenting themselves simply as the next in a long line of innovations. iPhone is next, the ad suggests. The line, hello, is just about making introductions. iPhone, of course, went on to revolutionize the cell phone market, but consumers back in 2007 needed to have some context for the device. So the best way to do that, to give people context, was to tell people, It's like a phone, like a cell phone. It fits in your pocket, just like a cell phone. And yes, you can make a phone call. But this is the only cell phone on the market that will also let you send emails and surf the web and keep your calendar and music and notes and so on. It was about showing how superior this device was to the phones that so many people were currently using. And instead of saying, hey, this is better they position themselves as the only, the only next thing, the natural evolution of the phone. In time then, when they eventually became recognized as being first in the smartphone category, well, then they could focus on other aspects of what they were building with the iPhone. So remember how the ads then shifted to show off the App Store, right? Remember, there's an app for that. The idea that they wanted to get across then was that this device was not one size fits all. The device could be molded and bent to the use of the user. Each person could use this then to achieve specifically what they needed. This spoke directly to, of course, Apple's mission as a company, and then they used it to inspire their millions of fans across the world. But again, that was a position they were taking. So even though iPhone was first, They weren't really because they were competing against all of the other cell phone brands out there in the beginning. They had to position themselves as something totally different than the competition in the beginning. And then their competition changed as Android hit the market. So suddenly being first was then a position that could help them. They were seen as reliable because they'd been first. But again, first wasn't something they could really use in the beginning. The key for them in the beginning was only then they could take over first. All of the best companies out there use positioning. All of the companies you love, the ones you buy from time and time again. So I think of the companies that I love, uh, companies like Apple and Nike and JetBlue and Nikon and Amazon. All of them use these extremes in how they market themselves. Amazon is the largest online retailer in the world. Nike is the most respected athletic brand on the planet. So then What does that mean for you and your restaurant? 
it means just being good is no longer good enough. We don't need just another pizza place. I want to go get the best Neapolitan pizza. I want to find the pizza joint that offers the most toppings with with weird offerings like clams and grapes and kimchi, corn, bananas. I want the original deep dish pizza, the first deep dish pizza in Chicago. And this goes along with the advice I've been giving you since the very beginning. You have to figure out what makes you unique and lean into that. Celebrate that. Promote that. Get people excited for that. What are you best at? What's something that only you offer? Were you the first to offer something unique? Does that make you the original? Hopefully you know the answers to some of these. So write them down. It's a good place to start. You want to know what makes you unique. The harder part is when you look at your menu, at your dining room, at your location, your brand, and you realize there's nothing exceptional about what you offer. And this is a tough pill to swallow. But taking this medicine, meaning being honest with yourself, is the only way to improve. You need to figure out how you can stand out because, again, no one needs just another anything. We need something we don't already have. So let's say it's Friday night, right? The end of a long week, and I just want to order in something. I'm already thinking of my five or six favorite places. I'm thinking of my favorite sushi place, my favorite Chinese restaurant, my favorite pizza place, wing place, etc. So what's going to make me choose something new, something I don't already know? Well, I think it's going to have to be something that I can't get anywhere else. Because if I look at a new Chinese restaurant and their menu is identical to the Chinese restaurant I already know I love, then why would I roll the dice on something new when it's not really new? I roll the dice when I see something I can't get anywhere else. And the same is true with takeout and full-service restaurants. Those decisions are being made every single day by thousands of people who could be your customers if only you gave them a reason to become one of your customers. So out where I live, we have a bunch of different options for pizza. And honestly, they're all pretty similar. None of them are bad. We've ordered from like five or six different places and have never been disappointed. But I never remember which one is which, except for one of them. One of them does these really interesting specialty pizzas that are loaded with toppings. So they do a buffalo chicken pizza and a penne alla vodka pizza and a molto mushroom pizza that is piled so high with wild mushrooms. And no, we're not always in the mood for those kind of toppings, but more often than not, that's who we order from because we know what they do. We remember them because they stand out. So if you look over your operation and you can't figure out any way to claim some of these words, right? First, last, best, most, only. If you can't do that, then you've got a problem, right? So best chocolate cake in Minneapolis, largest selection of draft beers in Houston, oldest Irish pub in New York City, only restaurant in the world to enjoy the food of Rene Redzepi. Am I making my point? Is this clear? If not, look around at some of the restaurants you know. Look at some of the, the really successful restaurants in your market and, and think about how they might answer this question. That might help you get unstuck. Of course, the difficulty with this exercise is that I don't think you can do this with a lot of the national restaurant chains because they largely succeed by being unremarkable, uninteresting. Their, their offerings are anodyne, which, which means they won't risk upsetting anyone. And we want the opposite. We want to turn some people away in an effort to find our tribe, our true fans, the people who so desperately want what we have. 
So I can think of a thousand examples here in my market, here in New York City, but that doesn't help all of you out there who aren't familiar with the restaurant scene here. So, so yeah, you've got some work to do on your own. The best restaurants out there stand for something and go to the extremes as a way of separating themselves from the competition. You must do the same. What do you do that no one else does? Again, lean into that. Celebrate that. Now, you probably already guessed it, but this week's assignment is to look over your restaurant and start making a list of all these extremes. What are you the best at? What were you the first to do? What do you do that no one else does? How can you set yourself apart from the competition? If you can come up with a list of, let's say, five to ten, then great. You get to move on to step two, which is where I want you to look at how you're communicating with your patrons. Do you highlight the fact that you have the largest selection of Vermont craft IPAs, uh, that you're the the home of the original Sumo Burger, that that you're the, the only sushi restaurant in town that offers authentic Bluefin O'Toro? Figure out ways to promote those points. Use those things to attract more customers or better customers. Sometimes when we take a closer look at operations, we realize, oh, hey, I don't know that people realize this about us. Great. Step three is to make a plan for how to get this information to people. Maybe it's a, about a menu redesign or, or retraining your staff uh, to highlight certain details about the restaurant or, or adding a few key images to the website or promoting things differently on social media. You get the point. That's the three-step plan to make sure you're properly positioning yourself, to make sure you're going to the edges, going to the extremes. Of course, if you're one of those people who looked over your operations and found nothing exceptional, nothing you can claim ownership of, then you've got some real work cut out for yourself. You need to find ways to incorporate some of this into what you do. Can you can you beef up a certain section of your wine list and claim that you have, uh, let's say, the largest selection of Spanish white wines in the city? Or, or can you focus your beer list so that's all domestic? Or, or maybe it's all imported or all craft brews or whatever. If you're just another pizza place, can you figure out what you can be known for? Seriously, what hasn't been done before? How can you innovate on your menu and give the restaurant some personality? You don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you do need to stand out. You need to do something interesting. You owe it to your customers, to your staff, and to yourself. If this freaks you out, then email me. It's literally the best part of my job, being creative and getting to help chefs and owners find ways to stand out. And I would love to be a sounding board for you right now. Seriously, the first three people that email me get an hour-long consultation call for free. I'm not joking. I have time and I want to help you guys out. Reach out directly. This goes uh, until the end of May. Chip at chipclose.com. C-H-I-P-K-L-O-S-E.com. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, go ahead, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're sharing these episodes with the people you work with. Changing the culture in your restaurant begins when you start letting people in, when you show them the kinds of things you're thinking about. I know we're all being affected by this shutdown, so please stay safe, stay sane, and stay creative. I appreciate you all being here, and I will see you all next week.